previously on the Popscorn Review of Justice League. And we're going to now pick it apart. Now, I've structured mine. You've gone full-on beat by beat. Look, look at this shit. Well, Michael, we don't have four hours. Four hours. Four hours. Four hours. God help us all. Welcome to Pop School, the Fan Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we are talking about Justice. Hang on, we've done this before. Mm-hmm. We, this feels oddly familiar. Um, I'm just going to check the calendar. No, definitely 2021. Definitely, I'm, I'm going to cut the shit. Uh, this is the first time we're re- reviewing a movie twice. Uh, so thank you, Zack Snyder's Justice League, for for setting Pop Scorn history and making us have to sit through a DC movie twice. Actually, sitting through a DC movie three times if you're totaling the runtime up. But hey, here we are. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. And no, not thank you to Zack Snyder. This is entirely the fault of other critics coming out of the woodwork to say this cut fixes all of the problems with the original Josh Whedon 2017 version. And I... It got the better of both of us, the curiosity of... Because I was not planning to watch this. But when everybody comes out and says, this is a vast improvement, it fixes a lot of problems with it, and it is now a a good enough movie to be considered amongst its peers from Marvel. That's what got us to this point. It's a strong statement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was. It was. It wasn't even necessarily one of those situations where the critics love it, but the fans are kind of lukewarm, as as has been known to happen. Mm-hmm. This was critically and commercially a success, at, at least in terms of its reviews. Uh, obviously, because it, it wasn't able to open up at a box office, it premiered on HBO Max in America, which is how I watched it with the magic of VPNs. Uh, and I believe it was on Sky Cinema in the UK. Is that right? Yeah, and you didn't have to pay for it. It was just the premiere for that week. They were probably just excited to have, well, I was about to say a new premiere. It's not technically a new premiere, but, you know, it's it's something that isn't like a straight-to-DVD release that they've been having to deal with for the last six months, so... Yeah, I got to watch it for free. Like, I've just cancelled Sky Cinemas. We got this on literally, like, the last two days we had it. So, thank God for that, because I wasn't going to pay money for it. I would That would have been the last straw. But, uh, yeah, just to recap, neither of us liked the 2017 version. In fact, I went back, both of us did, and listened to our 27 re- 2017 review of this film, uh, where the clip that opened the episode is from. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> people. Turns out it was my fault. Um, we keep doing this. <laughs> we keep inviting these things into our reality. We're getting much, much better at predicting things. We like The Simpsons, though, to be fair. We've been going for so long that it was bound to happen eventually. But <laughs> I, I think we, neither of us liked it. I'm re-listening to that. You hated it more than I did. You, oh, yeah, I did. You really hate that film. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like it. I think it's... But I, I had, like middling feelings towards it like eh it's incredibly forgettable and pointless but uh, and maybe urged just on the slight of bad but you went 
in on that thing. Yeah, I. It was a, more of an offence to me that the original wasted my time. It, that it felt like completely inconsequential two-hour gap in which my life stalled. It, I was not a fan of that that cut. I was not a fan of how totally inconsistent that movie was. I was not a fan of the vast majority of the performances. I was not a fan of the letdown of the big team-up movie being a wet fart. And, I mean, surprisingly, you called it the second best DC movie of the lot. Now, that was in 2017. We've since had better DC movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't watched it. I've heard Aquaman's better. Um, We both like Shazam. We had thoughts on Joker. It's at least, with Joker, it's at least one of those ones where at least it's fun to talk about, Mm -hmm. even if you don't like the movie. DC have improved. But unfortunately, we're coming back to material that is before that focus on singular storytelling back when it was, you know, this very much a, uh, how do I put it, an executive driven decision to make Justice League 2017 or Justice League, as people are calling it now. Uh, The bit that gets me about this whole situation is that both Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice, they're both misnomers. They're mm. both they're both terms that don't really fucking exist. The, the the Justice League we got in 2017, whilst you know mostly directed by Zack Snyder, secondarily directed by Joss Whedon, was hacked together by the studio. It was not Joss Whedon's vision. It was not Zack Snyder's vision. It was what the studio thought would make the most amount of money. Similarly with this, I think calling it Zack Snyder's vision, his true intention once again is a misnomer the movie has had 70 million dollars worth of reshoots it pads out the storyline to a four-hour fucking saga and it introduces characters that were never intended to be introduced whatsoever we'll come on to the specific one that stands out amongst all of this well two i guess um in the spoilers unless unless you didn't want to be fucking spoiled about a movie that came out four fucking years ago um but it's it's not the true vision. Realistically, z- z- the Snyder cut of Justice League, had it existed, would probably have been about a two hour forty five, just clipping three hour mashup of what we have now and what exists in twenty seventeen. I think the only thing we can absolutely guarantee across both cuts is that it was filmed with IMAX in mind. I guess. Mm-hmm. But neither of these things are the true Snyder cut, although the fans are very fucking pleased with themselves for making this thing exist. They are. Uh, let's let's cut to the chase. So we both feel that we didn't enjoy the first one. No. But the reason we watched this is because critics said that this is better. So that we don't skirt around the issue any longer, did you, did you one, prefer this and two, like this film. Did I prefer it? Absolutely. Did I yeah. like it? Not really. Yep, I'm right there with you. That <laughs> is what a pointless waste of time <laughs> to make this film maybe charitably 20% better. It's still not good. And that is the most damning thing I can say about it. Like, oh, we're going to go into the minutiae, but I just didn't want to pussyfoot around it anymore. Like... All these critics coming out and making me... Admittedly, I didn't watch it in one sitting. I don't think any sane person would. I watched it in two parts. 
particularly as it also within itself has parts that literally come up and say part one, part two, and so on. I am so glad I did that way. Anyone who got through this in four hours, you were a better person than me because I was falling asleep at the two-hour mark and it didn't improve in the second half either. So, yeah, if you're expecting us to kind of toe the company line and tell you that this is, you know, a masterstroke, a brilliant reinvention of the same movie, how have you done this? This is at best an exercise in turd polishing. Uh, first of all, hello. I am both an insane person and a better person than Darren. Um, I did. Well, no. Madman. I'm stretching the truth a little bit. I had a half an hour um, interval between the first two hours and the final two hours, <laughs> which was entirely <laughs> circumstantial. I didn't plan to watch it in a, a, a continuous four hour block. Um, but as it turns out, uh, my wife wasn't feeling particularly awake at this point. And um, she'd been doing a lot of work and came home and went to bed before nine o'clock. So I was like, fuck it. I have nothing else to do. I may as well finish the film. Um, uh, the, the thing is with this is that at least now it is tonally consistent with itself. It, and probably to a, in, in the broader strokes, it's consistent with the films that come before it. The issue is, is that if you don't like that, you're going to hate this. And I think the other big issue is, is that this film is only good. And I, I say this in the loosest possible terms. It's only good if you've seen 2017 Justice League, yeah. because then it feels like this, this miraculous improvement. It feels like Jesus Christ. That's, that's what you're trying to get. Whilst I may disagree with it, I understand what you were trying to do now. It doesn't work. If this is what you're coming to, if you've suddenly discovered that the DC movies exist and you've just come off the back of Batman v Superman and you watch Justice League, you're like, what a bloated fucking mess this is. It it doesn't work as a standalone film. It only works, as as you've said before, as a $70 million worth of turd polishing. And it's like, I just don't... Like, my first note, and I think this really sums up everything, what tangibly changed like significantly everything had some minor improvements but i don't feel there was like one big change that i feel made it that much better i i can think of what i would identify as the biggest change to the narrative and it's and it's the only thing that i think is a 100 percent improvement from 2017 to 2021 Mm-hmm. and that is cyborg because he's actually got a story now he's oh. not just some fucking guy that turns up cyborg makes captain marvel seem like a charismatic stallion like i, did, he I didn't say be. he was charismatic i said he's got a story before he, he was just he just fucking turned up now you know where he's coming from but i don't feel that's to the benefit of the film because it means we have more time with cyborg and he's the <laughs> fucker alive like he's so <laughs> boring <laughs> he can't emote and i don't think that's like a, like an acting choice because he's a cyborg and they're going for like a robotic thing i just and, and no wrong um your boy uh what's his name who plays cyborg um, ray fisher ray fisher has been through hell right i have a hundred percent sympathy for that man like his experiences on set and everything that's happened to him since has been awful and he has my entire and utter sympathy but in this film, both of them, he's the 
dullest man. Any time he turns up, I'm like, oh, do we have to spend time with Cyborg? He's like, that's right, everybody. It's a Meg episode. It's like that. It's like, oh, no. And he's so much more substantial in this film than he was in the first one. So, yes, it's more fleshed out and less random, but it's not good. And <laughs> my he does have my favourite line in the whole thing, though. Which is? When Wonder Woman says, but we have to save the world. Fuck the world. Oh, God. I, I audibly groaned out loud to the point where Rachel came back in the room to say, what happened? I was like, oh, it's not. I, I, I can't expect energy. Fuck the world. I'm like, oh, he's so bro- oh, much brooding. So terrifying. Oh. oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. I'm not saying it's an improvement because generally speaking across the board, it, it seems like it seems like. And I, I can't believe I'm fucking saying this, but it seems like there was better script writing when it came to the fucking reshoots. I can't believe I'm saying that. Mm. I can't believe I'm giving a movie I fucking detest, like, any sort of praise. But I tell you what got me. It was... And it's in the trailers, so I'm not spoiling anything here. Um, it's... And I and I didn't see the trailer, so I, I got to experience the cringe firsthand for this line. It was Batman, as they're about to start the third act, which, is, again, is about three fucking hours in. Um, he's like, I don't care how many demons he's fought in, how many hells, he hasn't fought us. Like, oh. fuck a duck. <laughs> Z- please take screenwriter off Zack Snyder's credits. It's, that's not... Scr- oh, but, God. Like... It works in 300, right? Yeah, but... because it because 300 is, and I can't believe I'm saying this because it makes no logical sense. But it's it's a comic book. But the thing is, <laughs> Zack, Zack Snyder treats 300 like a comic book because it's so over the fucking top and it works stylistically. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he's a bad cinematographer. He's just a very piss poor director, mm. and it, that's why it works in 300 because it's so much more visual. Here, in both the original version and this, he's treating the DC canon like a fucking Greek pantheon, like it's the most serious thing that's ever existed. It's not Homer's Odyssey. You you can bend it a little bit. Yeah, they do feel like the comedy's been turned down for this film, um, and it would have benefited from some good stuff. Like you need you need some levity in a four-hour fucking movie, and it just doesn't arrive like i i will say i think flash gets maybe a tad more bearable i was about to say the same thing his introduction scene now is so much more better yeah like that now this is what i think this is one of the scenes that they 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 had budgeted in that 70 million um and again it's in the trailers i'm not spoiling too much but it's the scene that he shares with with iris west um and that it it kind of makes you a little bit more sympathetic to what's going on and it makes you like him a bit more unfortunately it about like half an hour later you have to have the scene with him being incredibly on the spectrum with batman and it goes back to being a twat again and i just I, i can't divide what we know, and, and again, because the, the film only works so well if you've already seen the 2017 one, I can't divide the fact that in that I fucking detested The Flash. Yeah. Look, he's still not great, but uh, I feel like he's a bit less of a caricature here. He's a bit more, sorry, caricature. Um, he's a bit more normal, 
But <laughs> sorry, he's... I forgot about that fucking meme. <laughs> <laughs> the the Kurgan. <laughs> <laughs> he's a cricket tune. Um, if you don't want him on a bed, just go back to go on my Twitter, find a video of Triple H talking. You'll you'll understand. So um, he's a bit more normalised in this, and I think it makes him easier to like. But you're right. Any any scene that he appears in that's a like for like um, transition from the 2017 version, he's still awful. But thankfully, he's the one I think I can point out and say he's definitely benefited the most from this. Um, the he's stuff they've 100%... added. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the stuff they've added have everything they've added to the Flash in terms of scene count has helped that character. Like they've added a lot more to Cyborg, but it hasn't helped because he's inherently boring like i say earlier about flash he's not necessarily boring he can be grating i get you that but i feel he's the one that's benefited the most from this absolutely he's gotten not quite as much more screen time as cyborg but what he has been given expands that character's lore it expands your understanding of his his like his place in all of this, I was about to say going forward, but where the fuck does this go? <laughs> I don't think this is going anywhere. Ah, uh, yeah, more on that later. Uh... Yeah, um, but but yeah, I, I think Flash ultimately gets the best scenes in this film. Yeah, he gets the best sequences, and that is a redemption. It, I don't think thematically it's as big of a redemption as Cyborg because I think there are tensions that we'll have to discuss about about Ray Fisher and Joss Whedon, which I think led to the, I was going to say the character assassination, but I didn't like Cyborg either way. No. Um, but you get what I'm trying to say. He, his his runtime was, was cut and it was felt, it felt quite venomous in that first film. Whereas now it kind of, you understand where everyone's coming from. Thankfully, regardless of how you feel about the characters, regardless of how poor the writing is, you can at least plot a history, and that is, like you say, a twenty percent improvement. Yeah. Now, take this as a as a criticism. I've I've just realised I've written no notes whatsoever about either Wonder Woman or Aquaman. So I think that's it. Is all you need to know about them. I don't think they've changed in any way, shape, or form, character wise, scene count wise, even. They're just that they. I, I have the same opinion towards them as I did back then, which is Wonder Woman, fine. Aquaman, very empty, very just like him saying my man is like the the deepest characterization you get on Aquaman. It is all surface level stuff. Oh, you're telling me you didn't like the Icelandic singing? That was oh, a scene. Right, right. That was okay. a scene that happened. I forgot about the Icelandic singing. So <laughs> Aquaman returns to the sea, and for some reason, these three Icelandic women decide to sing a song for him, but. I thought it'd be like, you know, they'd sing it just as his head plops under and then we'll cut to the next scene. No, 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 no. <laughs> They paid for three Icelandic singers, so we're going to watch three Icelandic singers. They could have at least gotten someone from Eurovision, you know. That right? would be nice. No, it just, it's just really solemn. And then he goes into scene. But he's like, Aquaman's gone at this point. They're just doing this for Ben Affleck's benefit, but they're yeah, singing him a little song. Like, he's still... <laughs> he still has the most pointless scene in the film, which is where he brings a guy who is like in like his boat capsized. Aquaman saves him. Uh, he has a drink of whiskey and then just walks into the sea. And yeah. that's the, that's the scene. And I'm like, lads, we're already on four hours. 
You know, I feel like some <laughs> fat could have been cut out and that'd be the first thing to go, because what did that add? Like, we, we knew he saved people. He that's he was bringing fish to the the village that couldn't get any fish. Like, I... I, I oh, oh, it was just a gratuitous shot of Jason Momoa topless. And I understand the appeal of that, but it's four hours, lads. He's got his top <laughs> off enough already. We don't need to add these extra scenes of it in. To quote uh, Richard Ayoade in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, anything that wasn't dialogue was up for slow motion. <laughs> Did you see? Someone from IGN figured it out. 10% of this film is in slow motion. That seems oddly conservative. I'm, well, it's four hours, so that's still a whole lot of time. I'm going to do some calculations. Um, bear with. Uh, yeah, so uh, it, I've written no note. Do you have anything to say about Wonder Woman or Aquaman? Um, I think one of the interesting discussions about Wonder Woman, and it goes on to talk about the score of the movie, is that I know that everybody hates the Wonder Woman theme tune. <laughs> yeah, everyone hates that. I'm really coming round on it, and I feel dirty to admit that. Good. Because I, I like it, and I, I especially like that they've added, like, the vocalisations to the, to her entrances now, because that feels... It, it, it's oddly reminiscent of, like, the soundtrack from The Witcher games, which makes it feel a bit more mystical, which I appreciate. Uh, and, like I say, to go on to that discussion, the score has been totally replaced. We've now got a new score uh, by Tom Holkenberg, uh, who you might know as Junkie XL, who did the soundtrack to Mad Max Fury Road, one of my favourite soundtracks and one of my favourite movies. And it is an improvement. I know people miss the Danny Elfman score. I really fucking don't because it felt like such a nothing inclusion. At least here, I think now, the audio actually fits the... I'm not going to call it the grandiose nature of the movie. What, what the movie thinks is grandiose, it at least it does elevate it. It does feel poignant and at the very least you know totally consistent and it's just better it's just better music across the board it feels of a grander scale i don't know if that's something you had clocked at all i, I i'm famously not all that um observant about saying tracks so i know i can't say i know i do think they play the wonder woman theme tune a lot more than i think they did in the first one but that's just it's double the length so there was double the chance to put it in there i guess that's yeah true. i think it was it Soundtrack was not the problem here. I think it was. It was oh no no, fine. the music was like the the original score was great. The inclusion of the music is fucking shit. I'm trying. Oh to my what. god. Oh yeah, because they that... have a song playing over when that, where the, on that scene where Aquaman just goes into the sea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they clearly paid for the rights for and had to film a scene to yeah. use it in. Yeah. Where else does it pop up? Uh, bits and bobs it's more so in the first act than it is the first act the first two hours than it is the second two hours but whenever it pops up it just feels so not suicide squad levels of out of place yeah but but it feels like oh come on you're you're trying to be something here that you're just not yeah and uh, i just wasn't a fan of it interestingly though that that does lead me on to something that i think the film thinks it is when it's actually not and it has yeah. to do with the aspect ratio. Now, oh, start... this can go fuck itself. <laughs> it's it's in three by four, which means it's absolutely ideal to watch on the uh, the Shrek TV video combat <laughs> of the early 2000s, as God intended. Um, <laughs> the, the TV that actually has Shrek's ears 
is it's it's a beauty yes. it's a thing of beauty it's a great thing um now the 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 reason that this was done supposedly is because it was supposed to be in IMAX. Obviously, if you've got something with a three by four ratio, there's more height in the picture than there is anything else, mm-hmm. which means that it works for an IMAX screen because you've got more headroom to fill out more of the shot. That's absolutely fine. Why release it entirely on a streaming platform then? Right, right. It's obnoxious. <laughs> it's obnoxious. It's it's a way to try and seem like art house, like they're doing a black and white version of this for hbo max as well which yeah shows you all the sentimentality that went into that they just think it's like a statement thing but it's just obnoxious at the end of the day it adds nothing and it just... yeah it it adds nothing especially because like the black and white version of that film justice is gray fuck off um was released the next week um, was it yeah to 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 contrast with that that with another film that also did a very interesting black and white one and it's the second time i'm mentioning it but mad max for your road is that good it took them well over a year and a half to get that black and white version out mm. it, it might have taken them longer if i'm remembering correctly but because that they actually cared about how that was going to translate to a monochrome picture here it, it i mean it's already a washed out color palette as it is I mean, you start off with the Warner Brothers logo, and it it looks like it's starting to rust. It looks like it's been left out in the rain. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't improve. It does not improve. It does feel tonally consistent with the rest of the series. Yes, it's not good. Speaking of slight improvements, um, I think Stephen Wolf is slightly more fleshed out here. He feels a bit less like token standing villain than he does in the first one he does but doesn't he his armor is just horrific to look at it's it's very interesting in terms of its mechanics because it's like this weird tessellating like shrinking and growing thing which is fun probably cost a fuck ton to render oh yeah but it, it's an it's an ugly piece of shit isn't it I, I just don't like looking at it like it was unpleasant to see like I, I I can respect the amount of work that went into it, but that doesn't mean I enjoy the end results. It was just ah, it was like the wrong type of magic eye picture. I was like ah, stuff. It's just getting finding new ways to be worse. But as a character, he certainly feels a bit more like we get his drive. We get why he's doing this. He's not just like in the first movie. He felt like right. Why is this just not apocalypse? Like why are we bothering with this scrub? Here, it kind of gives him a bit more purpose. Um, hold on, hold on, Apocalypse? Not Apocalypse. Uh, dark Side. Dark Side, because he's from Apocalypse. Yeah, that's uh, it. Sorry, Dark Side. So, he, he, you get more of what, why he's doing this, and, you know, he's trying to win back the favour of Dark Side. So, fair enough. I think he's, of all the characters, I think he's the one that's benefited the most. He, he now feels like a... A serviceable villain. He never rises above that. He's not like one for the history books, like a Loki or something like that. But he he at least feels a bit more easy to understand where he's coming from. And like his some of his action scenes do feel quite threatening. He can quite easily take on most people. Like he only really comes unstuck at the end when he has to fight you know who. But everybody else, like that, he'll put up a fight. Like he's not just like one bombing him like Thanos would, but. He he's you know he's a bit more he feels more of a threat than he did in the first one and that's all you can really hope for with this type of villain. Yeah, he's become a bit more of a toady, and that is at least a character trait 
on its yeah. own. Like the, the the way that you see him him change his demeanor from you know battling to talking to Desaad, and especially in his conversations with Darkseid, you get a sense that he's he's scared, and that's interesting. It's not as interesting as Thanos, and it certainly doesn't have the strength like. The great thing about the way that Thanos, the Thanos in Infinity War anyway, is introduced, is that immediately you think, well, we're going to watch him, you know, scale up the fights until he's got to fight the Hulk. And then in the first five minutes, he's clarted the Hulk n- nearly to death. So, like, immediately went, right, this is the level of threat you're fucking dealing with. And then you're hooked. This one, it, it's it's another one of those things. Like, we don't really care about the Amazonians outside of Wonder Woman. So him, you know, ripping them to shreds isn't interesting to watch. It's certainly better choreographed now, but it's not interesting to watch. It's only when he does finally get to scuffle with the heroes around the two hour mark now that we that we start to see something resembling an interesting fight. And the runtime doesn't help that because it takes longer to get to that point. Hmm. See, I... I don't think I necessarily disagree, but I think I actually did like the opening fight against the Amazons. I thought, you are right, it's what Zack Snyder can do well. We all know he can do action very, very well. And I think because it, I think it actually improves from the runtime. Given it, you you spend the first, I think you're like there for like 15 minutes. um, The first time he turns up to go and nick the first mother box off him. And there's some really cool like shots of the Amazons of like, keeping the the mother box away from him um i think its problem is also the same problem with all the other good action scenes you get because we get one now in atlantis when he goes to take the mother box from them uh, i will say you you can tell who the most successful race are because the amazons have like a fleet of about 30 people with bow and arrows pointed constantly at the mother box since it set itself off <laughs> i think there's like maybe two people in atlantis <laughs> yeah. who are like seem half-assed like looking after the mother box i'm like there's a bit of a difference of scale here like the amazons knew what was up and the atlanteans by comparison seem pretty nonplussed about the fucking <laughs> nuclear box they have in their basement and then you compare that to how the the the, the kingdom of man treated them oh box. my god yeah <laughs> chucking it all <laughs> but like yeah so so it's kind of like like a lord of the ring situation so when they um when they defeated Darkseid, which, again, is another, I think, pretty good action scene. You see a much more extended version of what happened the first time Darkseid came to Earth. And you've got um, the Amazons are there, the Atlanteans are there, the humans are there. Zeus is there. Yeah, that's a weird one. It is a weird-looking Zeus, right? Yeah. Like, it's clearly David Thewlis Ares, <laughs> but it's, like, 20-year-old Zeus. I'm like... Uh, no, but Zeus is like caning people. There's a Green Lantern there, um, and so on. I, I, that's a much better version than what we got in the first one, just because it's given more runtime. But yeah, yeah, they they may stop Darkseid. They separated the three mother boxes, and it's a Lord of the Ring situation. It's like right, um, Atlanteans take some, um, Amazonians take some, humans take some, and yeah, they bury it maybe four foot underground. <laughs> In just a random ass forest, they don't build a fortress over the top of it. They don't dig maybe twenty foot down. Like literally, a bored toddler with a bucket and spade can find that thing, 
pretty fucking quick. It's, it's especially funny when you're watching how the Amazons prepare theirs. They're like, they cast something round it. They start twatting it to make sure it's secure. <laughs> then they put it in its own structure. They have the guards. And then just, <laughs> you cut to the humans. It's just, yeah, that'll do. Let's clock <laughs> off for lunch. <laughs> And like, but they repeat the mistake because when Cyborg has hold of it, he too buries it maybe three foot underground. <laughs> oh god! So maybe you know what the Atlanteans—that's kind of a middle ground. At least it's under the fucking ocean there. You know what I mean? At least <laughs> yeah. they've got pressure on their side, and maybe the people trying to nick it will drown. But yeah, that doesn't reflect good on the humans, there, does it? Anyway. Uh, where was I going with this? The problem is, with all these action scenes, no matter how good they are, including the last one, which they, they've kind of refocused a bit more, It's pro- the problem is, because you don't care about these characters, it's empty action. So you don't engage with it on the same level you do with any action in any Marvel film. Like, you compare this to the stuff we had in Infinity War and um, uh, Endgame, which, you know, on the same kind of visual scale, they're about the same. Like that fight against Darkseid, the, you know, the one way back when we were Zeus, and you compare that to I don't know, the, some of the fights on um, Titan, when he's Doctor mm. Strange and Spider-Man against him. Visually, taken out of the context of knowing who the characters, if you just saw them on a random YouTube playlist, they're about the same. But because you don't give two shits about anyone involved in these action scenes... It robs it of all purpose. If you're not scared of the consequences, which again, this is kind of hard because this is a film we've already seen. We know no one dies, we're fine. But because you don't care about them as characters, you don't have any connection to them, you don't like what of the five members of the Just League we get originally, you don't care about all but one of them, and that's probably being charitable towards Wonder Woman. It robs it of all meaning. So you can spend as much money as you want, how many millions you want of making these amazing action scenes. But... The, the damage is already done. We don't give two shits about the characters, so we, we're not going to get engaged with the action. You almost wish that they'd spent the 70 million and just put it towards... And I was about to call them the old gods. Is it the new gods or is it the old gods that, that fought in that um, scene? I need an old god and a new god. Uh, I think it's the... They're the new gods. You almost wish that was the movie that they'd gone, right, okay, we'll make that. And then, yeah, sure, there's probably not as much jeopardy because, you know, the dark side's going to lose. But at least there probably would have been, you know, you would have had the expendability of the characters in uh, Rogue One. That that instantly makes for a more interesting film, which would have then benefited from Zack Snyder's cinematography at the very least. But no, it's an extended battle sequence um featuring a narration by wonder woman which is a weird thing like i'm glad that they like said okay this is how everybody knows about steppenwolf this is how everybody knows about dark side it's because it it's been chronicled by the amazonians and that's how it's fair fair enough it felt like it was being narrated like a nature documentary and i felt a little bit (laughs) like weirded out watching it i was like wonder woman's quite calm considering yeah. she knows that the thing that brought her race almost to extinction is on the way. Right. A little criticism as well as that scene of, like, Darkseid. Now, it's never going to happen because we know that this is not getting a sequel. We're getting, at best, a Flashpoint movie and then this is all getting rebooted. So we're never going to get to see Darkseid in the same way we do Thanos. But why have him there on that first battle for him to lose? 
because you've then showed like, well, yes, it took a lot of people, but Darkseid has already tasted defeat. Yeah, don't get that with Thanos. He's the undisputed king of everything that he wants to be, right up until the point that he dies. Like, he's never shown weakness. That's what makes him so good. You've just shown... Why wasn't it just Steppenwolf is in charge of this? He loses, and that's why he's booted out. Why did you need to throw Darkseid on the on the flames like that? That makes uh, no sense. It's one of those additions to the film that feels added in retroactively because yeah. what what the film acts as it's it's 70 million dollars worth of here's what i would have said in that argument it's just it's retroactively adding the detail you wished you thought of but somebody <laughs> said you should have done that it's like oh fuck okay let's do but, that do you know what the most damning thing is this is the second note i have here like i've seen both films and if you put a gun to my head and said where do those two extra hours come from I couldn't tell you. Like, I'm like, we, we initially thought slow mo, but apparently not. <laughs> I figured there's 25 minutes worth of slow mo, which again doesn't sound like that much. But if you paid 25 minutes non-stop of slow motion footage, that would seem excessive. Um, but yeah, like, like narratively, the broad strokes haven't changed. Now that was never going to happen, really, given. You know how you could only change it so much by cutting it down like they did with the first one. But how do you add two extra hours to a film and not really change anything? It doesn't feel like there was big substantive parts put back in, like maybe a bit of the cyborg stuff. But it feels like they just added a couple of minutes to each scene to pad them out. It feels like I know it's a director's cut. But it feels like one you get on the DVD where they've added a few deleted scenes back in. Not like this gigantic, massive re-envisioning and reimagining of it that saved this film from the bad critical reception it had. Like, that's got to be the most damning thing I can say about this movie. That you managed to double its runtime, and I don't know how you did that, because I'm not entirely sure what you added. I mean... Outside of the incredibly CGI heavy, we're altering the 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 lore of the movie for the sake of editing the lore of the movie. So like that entire Dark Side sequence, all of that, everything involving Dark Side is new. It's part of this seventy million. So anytime he turns up, it's new footage. Especially with like and Dasad as well. The um, whenever. <laughs> Whenever Steppenwolf gets on what can only be described as the molten metal Skype stone, yeah, <laughs> like all of that is is just brand new and invented for this for this version of the movie. Outside of that, the only thing I can assume where this extra runtime is coming from is because they've they've had to go and find every possible alternate take of every other line. It, it feels like they they really went out of their way to go. We're not including any of that reshot stuff. So that's that's probably where it's come from. Outside of that, like you say, the other scenes, the ones that we remember from the 2017 version, they don't feel that much more extended. They, no. It feels like details have changed. I remember the chat between uh, five, the, the Justice League sound Superman when they've got the box and they're talking about reviving him feels... To, at least in my memory, totally different. It felt like it was more like a, this is the only way, but this time it was like, okay, what's the plan? Let's have a look in Cyborg's head. Yeah. Okay, that's the plan. I will say that the, the reviving Superman thing comes around a bit more naturally. Like, it's still mad, but it doesn't feel like such a left turn because it just comes out like, it's literally the first thing they try and do in um, in the 2017 version. 
Like, mm. I don't feel they've exhausted all their options at that point. They just immediately go, well, let's fuck it. Let's just try and, you know, let's do some necromancy. Why not? Like, it, it comes about a bit more, as natural as necromancy can be, it comes around a bit more naturally in this film. But mm. um, I, I'm, I'm struggling. What new plot points have been added? And then I remembered it. So... I think you can consider this your spoiler warning because we're going to talk about stuff that wasn't in the 2017 version at all. Um, so, mild, mild spoiler alert. They've added a character and they introduced him in the weirdest way possible. Because what the fuck was up with the Martian Manhunter pretending to be Mark Kent? That what the <laughs> hell was that? I thought it was a fever dream, Michael. I thought, wow, I must be up late because... I think that's how they chose to introduce the Martian Manhunter was him giving a pep talk in the guise of Mark Kent to a slightly sad Lois Lane. <laughs> it, it feels like you've leant on the remote and skipped forward, doesn't right? it? it just, that's how you're going to introduce the Martian fucking Manhunter? Like, you just... Uh, what, it, what I love is that, that in the canon of this universe now, the way in which the audience is first introduced to the Martian Manhunter, is that he's not addressing any of the mad shit that's happened. Zod couldn't give a fuck. Doomsday, not bothered. Lois Lane is slightly, is mournful and doesn't want to write for the Daily Planet anymore. Fuck, better get right round. So, the conceit is, we see Mark Kent go to Lois Lane, who we've seen, like, sporadically through the movie. She's not doing great like she's not like suicidal or anything but she's just she's mourning over the loss of superman fair enough oh they've also and... added the detail that she's pregnant now what did did, did you miss that one lois lane's pregnant the, okay so they added they added the whole thing of like i'm guessing that's a yes because she's wearing an engagement ring right. there's there's a shot where like there is a pregnancy test. Oh, oh, that's why Batman at the end says congratulations, by the way. Yes, that's So I thought that was the engagement, not the fact that Lois Lane... Okay, that's that's something interesting for Lois Lane to do. It's, I mean, it's no wandering around with a bullet in a bag, but it's, uh, it's something. What is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I missed bullet for my Valentine Lois Lane. Um, anyway, <laughs> so she's like she's sad. So m- what we think is um, Mama Kent goes to like talk to her and have some coffee with her. I'm like, all right, it feels a bit superfluous, but fine. Mark Kent leaves immediately in the middle of a public building, turns back into Martian Manhunter just so <laughs> we, the audience, know who it is, and basically goes. You're the key to all this, Lois. You have to stay strong. And then he turns into his human guys. So, in kayfabe, it makes no goddamn sense that Marshman Hunter would do this for a split second. He doesn't need to do that. Just stay Mark Kent. But they keep coming back to this narrative that was something that was kind of hinted at in the nightmare sequences from Batman vs. Superman, where Batman sees, like, you know, this apocalyptic future uh, where Darkseid has come and Superman's evil. And they keep batting you over the head with Lois Lane is the key, right? So mm. basically, it's 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 the um, Injustice games. If Lois Lane dies, Superman apparently just immediately turns evil. That's how that works. Mm. So the the problem with that is outside of the, the the kind of reality of the film is that they've bothered to add this in, despite the fact they know we are never going to do that apocalyptic Superman movie. So. 
you've introduced the Martian Manhunter and his plot point is already completely devoid of meaning. You've done it just to show, well, this is what you would have got if you would have stuck with things and made these movies popular. You would have got this version of Martian Manhunter. It seems so pointless. Like, I think he looks... It's the superhero version of, you know, when, like, on Bullseye, when people lost and they had to bring the speedboat out for the shot anyway. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Have a look at what you could have won. Just bring it out. (laughs) It's so... I will say, I think Marshmallow looks pretty good. Design-wise, yeah. Oh, wow, we just said the same thing, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I, I think he looked pretty good, and I was like, I'm, I'm excited that he turns up at the end again to kind of, again, reaffirm his completely dead plot point and reason for being. Um, he looks fine. I'm a bit disappointed we didn't get to see more of him. Like, him, I, I guess they can't add him to the final fight because it's the point that Superman is the, the game changer there, so Martian Manhunter also turning up would have made sense, but... Why didn't? What purpose? Sorry, go on. I want to believe that that the whole like the fact that Martian Manhunter has done fuck all for the past three films is because he turns up about five minutes after Superman, and he's like, "Oh, I've missed it again." Oh, again? Like, but if it was just if it had just been the bit with Batman at the end, and we hadn't had that earlier scene, would that not have felt? better like we weren't spoiled like how nick fury turns up at the end of iron man basically like we weren't spoiled on just seeing him for one scene the only other scene he's in if he would just turned up at the end i think i would have been i I would have been better with it but yeah this is such a bizarre and it feels like padding basically they had it shot so they thought fuck it we'll put it in there we'll 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 bother to animate martian manhunter so that he can make sure that lois lane isn't about to jump off a building they even cast somebody who voices Martian Manhunter in one of the cartoons as Martian Manhunter. And it feels right that there's nothing wrong with the performance. It's just the way that, like you say, he's just dropped in to mm. completely underpin what is supposed to be quite an emotional scene of, of of Mark Kent saying to Lois Lane, look, it's time to move on, get back to it. Clark wouldn't, want to, would have, wouldn't have wanted us to have grieved this long. It's like, yeah, get back to it. Completely in, like, un, in, what's the word I'm looking for? Punctured, I guess? Yeah. When it's just, and it turns out that that wasn't Mark Kent, that was Martian Man. Mark, Mark Kent's the other side of fucking Metropolis just doing her own shit. Doesn't give a shit. Martian Manhunter's straight on the case, though. It feels weird. So strange. So, he's the only completely brand new character added to this. The other one. Here we fucking go. Here we fucking go. So, we return at the end. We're doing this a bit out of sequence, but I think it makes sense to mention now. So, we do actually get a bit more of the future apocalypse version with Batman's ragtag team of people. Uh, Oh, I I just realised we haven't even talked about Ben Affleck. He's still phoning it in. He's (laughs) completely clocked out at this point. Oh, we we liked Ben Affleck as Batman, though. And he's supposedly still coming back for one more film. If you believe uh, the, the press. I don't. I don't. Um, well, the, the Flashpoint but, movie is apparently in it. and it's. I know. You know, But, but him and Keaton... Like, the thing is, he's going to have to share a character with Michael Keaton. And that's not going to go well for him, is it? Good God, no. I... He just seems really like... Like, again, you get to see more... Spend more time with him. But he just... He, he's never... Like, it's particularly in this movie, he doesn't feel like Batman. He doesn't have that same any of the character traits we've come to re- like you know 
come used to with Ed Batman. Like, you can say he's changed because of the experience with Superman, but that's always rang a bit hollow in that he's completely changed his point of view because he met Superman. Like, he's not that good, Bruce. Come on now. <laughs> you, you knew him for all of half an hour in that film as well. And for most of it, you were punching him in the face, so I don't feel like he's had that much of an impact to change Batman's entire <laughs> philosophy in life. It's still a logical inconsistency that... that... For, te- for for all intents and purposes, the majority of that Batman vs Superman movie is him saying, "If there's even a one percent chance that he's a threat, we have to kill him straight away." To better bring him back to life, time for some mother box necromancy. It's still like, regardless of how you frame that, that's still a logical inconsistency for that character to completely have his mind changed in that way. Madness. But little do we know that uh, characterization of Batman can be pushed even further. So. We see his future team. Basically, Darkseid is coming to talk about. We've got Batman. Uh, we've got flashing armor. We've got um, Cyborg under the same shroud that Doctor Doom fed on that planet in Fan Forsty. <laughs> Mira, oh, God, it is. Yeah. Mira, not Aquaman, and Deathstroke, who has. <laughs> who basically, in the space of two scenes, goes from I'm going to kill Batman to I guess I'm Batman's friend now. Um <laughs> With nothing in between. I will um, actually say that scene, it feels like even the Lex Luthor scene was improved a little bit. I still yeah. hate that version yeah. of Lex Luthor, but it was it was at least a bit better. A tad. Because, a tad, mainly because they left that dangling thread of the film they're not going to make of uh, Lex Luthor knows who Batman is. Yeah, again, another... I, I, I don't feel like I can criticise too much about being annoyed about drop plot points because I still decide to watch a movie I knew was never going to get a sequel and spent four years of my life doing it. So I'm, I'm happy to make a recut of this movie where every time um, something is set up for a future movie that isn't coming, Bully from Bullseye pops up and just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy if we can to get a that. If we can get a black and white cut, we can get a Bully's Choice... Uh... <laughs> And Bully's special prize. Um, I did so, not expect this much bullseye humour. Uh, who, who knew? So, they're in the future. And um, they're trying to uh, do something, I guess. Um, and your boy, Batman, walks up to the Joker, Jared Leto's Joker. Uh, and takes a card from him that means they have a truce. This screams of... Zack Snyder really wanted to put the Joker in his movie and wanted to give Jared Leto a chance to redeem himself from the Suicide Squad. But it comes at the cost of basically Batman's character. Like, Batman would never, ever work with Joker and he said he's going to kill him, but he needs his help. He said, I will fucking kill you. Jesus Christ. It's like the worst aspects of, like, Frank Miller... Dark Knight Returns Batman, but it's coming out of a modern Batman. It's the worst. So, oh yeah, he also says that because he promised that to a dying Harley Quinn. <sighs> anyway, like, he's here for one scene. I can't really make, like, heads or tails of whether I think this was better than anything he did in Suicide Squad. It's still not great. It's still by far the worst Joker. And it just, again, feels like such pointless padding. Is it because you just felt bad that you didn't get to see this version of Joker with this version of Batman? Like, something unholy has happened if every version of your Batman doesn't meet their Joker? Because that's what it smacks of. I really... Hey, 
it probably sold some more sales of the film because they really made everyone know that this was happening. But it, again, it's just pointless filler to pad the runtime out. They even had the black and white cut be the one. You have to watch all of that to get to that scene to hear him say, fucking, we live in a society and, and truly live out the memes. Uh, exactly, it was done for meme content. It's, <laughs> it's stupid guerrilla marketing and it worked. Oh, son of a bitch, right. I, I at least preferred the look of Jared Leto's Joker here. I, I kind of like the Survivor Joker look in, in, in the yeah. sense of like the long green hair looked a lot better it would be more interesting actually to have that kind of long green hair and and like smudgy makeup and do almost kind of like you could have a a joker movie where it's kind of like a follow-on to the joaquin phoenix joker and it'd be like he's like this charles manson kind of figure right that would be and that's in terms of design that's giving it far more fucking credit than it's worth because it was like you said a just a totally vain attempt at going again look at what you could have won we could have done something with this joker if you fuckers had let us have a a decent metacritic score or whatever no, the fuck. no 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 you don't get that you don't get that benefit right you put that version of joker pimp joker into suicide squad and you don't then get to blame us for not enjoying that exactly I know some really stupid bastard who got that version of the Joker. Do you know the the the, the first promo shot they did? Oh, the, the damaged shit. Yeah, yeah. I know someone who got that tattooed on him before Suicide Squad. Oh, God. And, and I, I told him it was a bad idea. Like I was like, have you not seen Fanboys when um, Seth Rogen gets um, uh, Jar Jar and young boy Anakin tattooed on him before <laughs> Phantom Menace comes out? I'm like... Don't do that, you silly shit. Wait, what if it sucks? <laughs> exactly. He has now got to walk round with the worst Joker tattooed on him. And yeah, I, I agree he looks better in this, but that's not saying much. The bar was incredibly low. Mm. If they just covered up the damage tattoo, it's already at least 50% better. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. The fact is the performance isn't, still isn't great. He's still no. not a good Joker. He's now sandwiched between what many consider to be two defining Joker performances. Uh And he he doesn't get... He's had his fair shot now. I'm sorry, he has. Let's just move past this weird fucking vacuous space that this occupies. Let's forget this Joker happened. I mean, I don't think he's in Suicide Squad 2. I don't think he is, no. If he is, they're keeping it fucking quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought the trailer was fine, but I think I'm mainly going on it's James Gunn more so than anything else with that. It's James Gunn, Taika Waititi, Pete Tukapaldi, David Dasmalchian, fucking... There's a lot of things I like about that, and I'm I'm scared to love again. I'm (laughs) I'm worried that I'm looking forward to it. It's got John Cena as a patriotic, overly patriotic... (laughs) douchey captain america i'm all in baby but i'm just uh everyone seems to think it was the second coming i was like it was fine it had some good jokes i guess but we shall see um anywho i've only got two more things i really wanted to say about this so we haven't yet really touched on superman mm. i i think again the weird shift of basically they engineered a way for him to have a fight with everybody else and then become mates with everybody else that still feels 
bad. You could just tell they just did it for the sake of they wanted them all to have a fight against him. It still feels empty. Doesn't ring true to the character at all. That like within ten minutes he's back to normal. So that doesn't really work. I feel like he, he's not as. Uh, when I re-listened to a 2017 review, I was like, they are so they're trying so hard to make him Christopher Reeve. That's gone now. Like the really cheesy is this guy bothering you kind of motif has all gone. Yeah, but I don't think it's been replaced with anything all that substantial to make it better it's just not it, it's not as bad because they've just cut loads of it out like he hasn't really improved in terms of he hasn't really got good he's just got better than the bad version we had in the last one pretty much and and thankfully he has now recovered from his case of uh exclusively bottom no exclusively top lip lockjaw yeah that's no none of that shit <laughs> none of that weird looking cgi face is there so Again, that's an improvement, but it doesn't alter the performance. He gets one nice scene, and yet still that scene raises so many questions about the mechanics of this universe that they've built. Um, it's the scene in which it's before he gets into the black suit. Um, and it's kind of... I don't know whether they're, they're new recordings or whether it's stuff from the previous movies, but you get that kind of joint... Um, commentary from uh, oh, what's his name? Z- is it Zorel? His dad, Jorel. Jorel and uh, Park Kent, and it, it's quite, it's quite good. I, I, I didn't love it, but I was like, okay, I get what they're doing here. The weird thing about it is, though, there's the the black suit is a choice, and it's shown to be a choice. It's not just like it's not like the Death and Return of Superman, where it's just what the fuck he woke up in. It's it's a choice. And then you see the the actual, you know, red and blue suit in the background. The the, the thing that weirds me out is that how many battle suits does he have just chilling right. in that fucking ship? Did we not think to put anybody in those? Apparently not, no. Yeah, he's got a full-on wardrobe that he just doesn't feel the need to tap into. Um, I think that black suit looked fine. Yeah. I think a bigger deal was made of it than was necessary. Quite possibly. I think that's got more to do with the um, uh, with the, the Death and Return of Superman pitch from Max Landis and how that's been hyped up since. Yeah. Um, and I, I think people have just wanted to see a good version of that quite seminal storyline. And regardless of which version they watch of this film, they're not going to get that. But it, it wasn't a particularly good storyline in the comic books to begin with, as is explored by multiple people on YouTube. Yeah. So it's it's a black Superman suit. There's not much to get right and equally not much to get wrong. It's not like redesigning the Iron Man armor. It's not like modernizing the Captain America uniform. It's not like changing Batman's suit, because each Batman does have a very distinct and different suit. Yeah. And it's not like that. It's... Superman looks like Superman regardless of what film he appears in. So I, I don't get the fascination. But, I mean, it kind of doesn't help. You, you know, you mentioned earlier it's a, a kind of washed-out colour palette. At least when he was in the blue and red suit, he stands out. Now he doesn't really even do that. He just looks like Batman 2.0 without the mask on. Like, uh, it, it looks fine, but I, I think it was kind of blown out of proportion. Um... And again, the second he shows up, it solves all problems. 
they are gonna if they carried on with this Superman, you have to Professor X him in every movie because like he completely dominates Steppenwolf, and it's not even like breaking a sweat. Like the only issue happens not because of him; it's because of um, something Cyborg can't do quick enough. That's um, true. Yeah. Oh, so so this is the only thing I wanted to talk about. So back when they're resurrecting Superman. The Flash says, like, he has a rule. If he runs too fast, he basically outpaces time, and time starts to go backwards. And they kind of neatly show this in a nice bit of foreshadowing of when he's pelting it round the Kryptonian ship um, to gather up the speed. As he's about to jump into the pool where Superman's body is and touch the cube, he hits that speed, and we see the cube come back out of the water slightly. And that's a nice bit of foreshadowing of what happens later on. So... Your big climax, Cyborg is trying to separate the mother boxes from each other, but basically he needs to be, like, shoulder barged into the mother boxes by Flash going at, making, you know, outpacing time, speed, um, light, everything. Flash is basically lapping the town they're in to get to this speed, get shot, and that's what causes um, the, mox- the mother boxes fuse and the world is destroyed. Flash sees this coming... And says, right, guess I'm going to have to break the rules then. And runs so fast that time starts travelling backwards again. The Earth is reforming underneath him, basically, as the the nuclear holocaust rolls back into the the boxes. And he manages to turn back time so much that he can then hit Cyborg into the thing. Again, there's two things. I think from a positive, it looked really good. I really liked the effect. It was stunning, wasn't it? It looked really great. And it, it showed off Zack Snyder's strengths when it comes to framing things. It looked yep. really, really nice. However... <laughs> it now, in much the same way that Superman physically breaks any amount of tension, Flash can now metaphysically break any type of tension, because as long as he's conscious, anything happens, he can just run fast enough to basically rewind it and delete it from existence. Like, it's good setup for the Flashpoint movie, because that's basically what that... Um, storyline of the comic books is about but it kind of just ruins all tension it shatters any real stakes you can have if Flash can just infinitely run back around and keep going through the cycle again it's you don't fuck with time travel Michael how many films are going to tell this to before someone will listen to me and it's it's not even like it can't be handled correctly because we've seen it with Endgame they could only do it once. They accidentally created diverging timelines, which we're still exploring. But ultimately, yeah. they broke the thing that causes the time travel, so they can never do it again, so as not to have the logical inconsistencies. That, yeah. that they went right. This is a one-time deal, and that's it. As like you say, as long as Flash is alive, they have the ability to unfuck anything they fucked up. And I feel like they went to great lengths in this movie to show how reckless Flash is by having him, mm. like, trip up all the time, getting, you know, hitting basically near the speed of light and somehow still getting nailed by some prick with a cannon. Yeah. Like, he, he, they have to show him to be flawed, otherwise you've just got this this all-perfect thing that can fix all problems. It just, it just doesn't work, though. Why no. the fuck he was, he was doing laps around there and not... I don't know, well out of canon range of the entire thing. <laughs> right. 
that and I know they got rid of the whole the the thing that I really detested about that movie, which was the whole Russian family living in the middle of the nuclear war zone thing. Uh huh. They got rid of them. Fantastic. But it left Flash with absolutely fuck all to do in that final fight, other than run in circles. So you know, it, it, I feel like they didn't really understand what could have been done with Flash in that sequence. No. However, you can't argue with the visuals because it was very nice to look at. No, it is ultimately it's a very nice film to look at when action is happening, but everything else is still it's still symptomatic of the problems with all DC movies other than Wonder Woman and basically well anything prior to this movie coming out really. Since then, as you said at the top of the episode, they have made strides forward. Shazam, good. I haven't seen Wonder Woman eighty four yet. Apparently it's a train wreck. But yes, um I haven't seen it yet, so I mean, if Suicide Squad two's good, if the um, Robert Pattinson Batman movie's good, then they, they've made strides in the right direction. But ultimately, now this is just coming from the two of us, and I feel like we are in the minority here. But anybody, in my humble opinion, telling you that the Zack Snyder cut is this you know, brilliant new take on everything, it completely fixes all the problems, it doesn't. For one, it makes it twice as long to get through said problems. So that in itself is a problem. But everything it improves is marginal. But there's no getting over just the deep inherent flaws in this film. Like, it doesn't change the fact that we don't care about the characters. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, a lot of the plot points make no goddamn sense. And if, it, before we actually wrap up, can I talk about the one plot point that made no sense that really ruined the experience for me? Go ahead. Darkseid, on his quest to turn every world in the universe, multiverse, whatever, into apocalypse, into his domain, has conquered thousands upon thousands of planets. One fought him back. How the fuck did he not remember the one out of thousands oh, yeah. upon thousands that fought it but the fucker forgets a where it is he lost b the things he lost and their locations and c the fact that his his only goal of finding the anti-life equation was there the reason he was there in the fucking first place and all of this is magically forgotten so basically, Darkseid lost his car keys, and he <laughs> cannot remember for the life of him where he put them. It's a more violent he... version of holding your um, your clicker in the air in the car park and just looking yeah, around. <laughs> I can't. But I, I completely forgot about this. They don't even bother to explain it. Like, yeah, the one planet where he basically wrote down his maths of how to do the anti-life equation is the same planet in which he. Uh, apparently only tasted defeat on this one planet and yet he can't remember both pieces of those information and it's up to like lowly like intern Steppenwolf to go and find that for him I completely forgot about that if they said it was a result of his injuries like he lost on earth and therefore he just forgot that's what he happened surely someone wrote that down for him right Darkseid didn't just do this all himself like you know he went off for five minutes during the battle, wrote down this big scribble of how to do the anti-life thing, got injured, had amnesia, and no one else bothered to write that in. I had completely forgotten about that, Michael. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Just the idea that, like, the biggest taste of defeat that you ever felt and all the things you worked for 
just being in one location and you don't remember where it is it's, it's like it's like saying like okay bit of like I'm applying it to a real-world context here. In my life, I've done pretty well at avoiding all forms of physical altercation. I don't like fighting. I don't like getting into fights. I got assaulted once. I remember it quite well. I can tell you where I was, what time it was, when it happened, and who was present. Darkseid nearly fucking died. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You see him getting carted off by the fucking parademons as he's only marginally able to fight back the forces of man, Atlanteans, um, Amazonians, a singular weird-looking Green Lantern, and literal gods. And he's gone, oh, I mean, what was it? Was it Tuesday? Was it a Thursday? You know, he's... What the fuck? (laughs) That makes no sense at all. Somewhere in DC, they had a vision board that said, right, what is Thanos? Right, he's competent, um, he's a badass... He's super smart. So we'll make Darkseid incompetent, um, a loser, and thunderingly stupid. That's a good idea. That's how we'll set him apart. Because he already looks like him. We're going to have to do something different. So we'll make him a thundering dumbass who got his ass kicked by one Green Lantern and a few humans with some vague powers. It it weirdly makes Steppenwolf look competent. He at least found everything he was looking for. Yeah. He he had a goal and he set out and he did it. He didn't just chill out in his cool space fortress with the old woman and the man who could talk through the slab of concrete yeah yeah it's it's not good people i'm surprised <laughs> it took us this long to get around to this point but yeah it's it's still shit there's still not a good justice league movie and don't let any amount of you know hype about this movie convince you otherwise it's still shit dc's not as fucked as they were at this point in 2017 you know they have got some good irons in the fire. That we, I like the trailer for Suicide Squad. Like I said, it, I mean, I'm still not 100% sold. It was it was fine. The Batman trailer was pretty goddamn good. Um, we're going to get some more, you know, more Shazam. Most of that Black Adam starts shooting this week. That's got the rock in it. He's not usually in terrible things, or at least he's their fun. So they're not as fucked. But yeah, don't. This is still going to be consigned to the record books as um, the first movie we've ever reviewed twice but also the first movie ever reviewed twice and still somehow didn't like. <laughs> it's 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 an improvement, but it's still not a passing grade. It, it's, yeah. And it, and it still exists in this weird paradox where it only feels like a triumph if you've seen the first one. If you saw the first complete failure, it is still a revelation that this isn't a complete failure. But viewed out of context, it's the same shit. It just looks slightly different. It's all the same, only the names have changed. Every day, it feels we're wasting away. Well done, Michael. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Pluck away. You can go and feed, you can go and feed me on Twitter, apparently. <laughs> uh, feel free. Uh, you know, we've had Easter weekend. I'm all chocolate today, but if you've got anything savoury, go feed me on Twitter at that Mike Owen, as well as Instagram. Uh, you can go and feed Darren on uh, Twitter and Instagram at at the Guttridge. <laughs> uh, you can go and feed us collectively at the site on uh, Fowley and T. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can go to FowlandTainment.com for more podcasts, more articles. I swear to Christ, I'm writing stuff um, and all of the other good stuff we do. And, of course, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, 
uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find an RSS feed, whatever service you're using under the username Fowley and T or Fowley and T Podcast, depending on the service you are using. That that went fucking strange with all the feeding. I don't, I don't, yes, want, it I don't. It's not kinky. We're just hungry. I was gonna say, is it tea time yet, Michael? Um, I've got a, I've got a sweet chili chicken being cooked for me downstairs. I cannot wait. But um, it's got to be better than Guantanamo act- chicken. <laughs> Hey, the Guantanamo chicken was pretty decent. You know, I was going to include on my WrestleMania article a breakdown of the food I'm having um, <laughs> tonight. Um, I'm trying to get like a sportsy feel going. So I've got a chicken bolty pucker pie, um, some barbecue seasoned chips uh, and some mint choc chip vegan ice cream from Tesco. Hello. Uh, but tomorrow is the main event because I'm having General Sow's chicken, which I've never had before. But I'm, I'm going to try my best to make that. Uh, I've got gyozas. I've got bao buns. Um, what's the other thing I'm having tomorrow? I can't remember what the other thing is, but I'm having that. Speaking of which, I pulled my finger out and actually did write an article. Although by the time you hear this, its purpose may have been served. I wrote a preview article for WrestleMania. It is WrestleMania week, uh, weekend as I speak to you right now. Uh, it breaks down everything you need to know about uh, all the matches taking place over the two nights WrestleMania happening this weekend. Uh, if you're watching it on the replay, it still can fill you in. Basically, if you don't watch wrestling week to week or you're only kind of tuning in for WrestleMania, this will catch you up on everything you have missed over the past 12 months. All the pertinent inf- Pardon me. All the pertinent information is right there. I had Michael read it, who is a complete layperson towards wrestling, and he seemed to understand what was going on. So hopefully that can serve some purpose for you. Alternatively, coming up very soon as well, we are about to record a review of Kong vs. Godzilla, which we liked a hell of a lot more than Justice League, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Um, So that's coming up as well. And of course, in just a few weeks' time, it's going to be Michael's third annual Oscar extravaganza. I'm nearly there in terms of seeing them all. Uh, I've now seen all of the uh, best picture candidates. I'm mopping up the uh, acting... Uh, uh, categories uh, this week and then we'll be moving straight on to documentaries and foreign features and then I will be done. There is not a lot of variance this year. That's probably got a lot to do with the fact that not a lot came out in 2020 because, well, the state of the fucking world. Um, But generally speaking, as a little bit of a preview, the quality seems a bit better. It seems like there are going to be some tight races this year and I'm, I'm very excited to discuss all of these at length with you. Of course, there will be an article version of that because we don't go over every category in the podcast because we'd be here for four hours. We've said that before. Um, then uh, you can go and find all of the categories in my article. And I am still going to do the best of 2020. It feels it feels wrong to not. I've had to put it off because, you know, things are going on. I'm buying a house and had to change jobs and all these weird and wonderful things that happen in my, in my life. But I will still do it. I will still get it out there. And you can find it on Pantertainment.com when it comes out. But until then, we will see you in the next episode of Popscorn. Thank you very much for watching. Watching? Oh, God. Thank you very much for listening. I'm tired now. Almost as tired as I was when I finished watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. Bye, everybody! Beautiful, beautiful. Bye!